Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Justin Kane of Kane & Co. Justin is the president over there, and he is a gifted professional with an impressive combination of artistic, technical, and communication skills. Justin brings decades of experience to his role as president and project director slash designer over at Kane & Company. The inspiration to pursue a creative life started at an early age through the encouragement of his grandfather, Cliff Musgrave. Justin grew up watching his grandfather take ideas from his imagination and turn them into reality. Cliff was a gifted craftsman and instilled in Justin the values of creativity, precision, and pride of workmanship. Now for my conversation with Justin Kane. Hey, Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Spencer. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for today. Give us the lay of the land, though. Who are you? What's the company? And where are you guys located? Yeah, my name is Justin Kane. My company is Kane and Company. We are in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're a design build company. We have about 12 employees, do about 4 million in revenue right now, looking to take it to about 10 million is our next kind of goal. So, yeah, that's kind of me. I'm a family dude, self taught in this business, three, three kids, married. So, busy life. Right on. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that's awesome. Well, I'm assuming you probably didn't start at $4 million And by the, the name of the company, I'm assuming you started it. But how, how did the company begin? Yeah, okay. So I was a school teacher. So I, I went to college, I got my master's degree in education and came out and became a, a school teacher and did that for about five years. But you know, as a school teacher, you I would think I was making about 28 grand a year as a salary. And so I needed to supplement that income in the summer. So I started doing, you know, small remodeling jobs in the summertime. Really didn't know anything about remodeling. I was, I bought a Home Depot one, two, three book, started practicing on my own house and really kind of learned through the school of hard knocks, but taught for five years each, probably the last three summers, I was getting busier and busier. And then I was starting to do stuff on weekends. I just got more and more in demand. I was, actually pretty good. at had a knack for it. I did mostly carpentry to start, hmm. but kind of had a knack for it. And so my last year teaching did a kind of a kitchen remodel, a little bathroom remodel. And they're like, we love it. We want you to do our whole house. And so I wrote them up a contract and thought, no, no way are they going to take this. And they did. And I left teaching about a month later and started doing remodeling full time. That was about 20 years ago now. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I love the uh, I feel like the classic, you know, side hustle, you get good at it, and then it expands. And then you finally are like, okay, I've got, there's enough here to lift off. I feel like that's such a great way to do it. Sometimes 
people are like, go all in, take the leap. And I'm very much the like, well, we'll see, you know, like, uh, yeah, plan, I mean, plan B or whatever, whatever you want to call it, but uh, kind of working them both until it takes off is a good, good move. Yeah. I was definitely not sure about this by any means, certainly because it wasn't my background at all. And I'm like, you know, so I, I was a, a straight up technician for probably mm-hmm. the first five years. And yeah, question whether I made the right choice many times along the way, but ultimately <laughs> I know that I did. So <laughs> that's so good. Here, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. never know, like in the middle of the journey, you know, cause I've had a lot of those moments myself where you're just like, maybe I'll just go work for somebody else. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and it just yeah. hits you. I think entrepreneurs, you get in that headspace where you're like, you're always dealing with problems and issues and there's, they never go away. They just change. So for um, sure. Same, same. We were, you know, talking about our kids short time ago. And yeah, like I said, you're in the thick of it, you're busy, but it's just different now, but just probably just probably just as busy as you are, but in a different way, different set of problems. Yep, so, yeah. Same, oh, same goes with remodeling. But. <laughs> yeah. So you said for the first like five, five or so years, you were the the technician, I'm always fascinated about like what the first year or two looks like. So when you made, you got that big contract, you made the leap, you're like, okay, how did that first year go? I was terrified because I didn't know I'm a smart guy. Well, I think I'm a smart guy, but you know, I know I'm capable of learning something, but I took on a job that was well beyond my comfort zone, well beyond my skill set. And so I, boy, I spent that first job working throughout the day, pretty much by myself. This was back in the time where you could go to Home Depot and there'd be 70 day laborers standing out in front, just like jump in your truck. So every once in a while, I'd go, <laughs> go get a helper and bring them over. But for the most part, I was by myself working all day, going home. And then well, luckily there was this place called the Construction Bookstore in Phoenix, Arizona. And I would go down there and I would find a book on like Plum because I was doing everything. I wasn't hiring yeah. plumbers, electricians. Wow! And so I would buy a book on how to wire a house, or buy a book on how to how to plumb a sink, or and so I mean I built a library and I went home and I studied voraciously and I would find like a really good guy at Home Depot that was you know most of the people at Home Depot don't know much, but every once in a while you'll find a guy that like is a journeyman electrician or a journeyman plumber. And so I would just go pump those guys for information and ask questions. I was walking homes. I mean, I, I was really putting myself through kind of my own construction education. So, I mean, it was a lot of work because, you know, I had a, a long physical day and then a long night just reading. And so, and then once, luckily, this, I was with my, I've been with my wife for 25 years, but I was at a point where I didn't have kids. So I could, you know, I could spend those evenings just, just studying. But it was, I'd say that first year was a ton of work, a ton of learning. But, you know, in hindsight, it was, you know, it got me to where I am now. So it, it, it turned out to be, you know, really rewarding. Yeah, when you said self-taught, now you really were, you know, you, you yeah, learned literally, yeah. Yeah. What was the next like pivot point like out of that? Did you make a first hire at some point or like what was the next evolution from you like literally just learning every trade and how to do stuff to kind of yeah, next step. <laughs> yeah, so eventually so I got passed around. So luckily I was in this like neighborhood where everyone kind of very tight network of friends. And I was passed around from friend to friend to friend to friend. 
and had rave reviews, always like worked really hard to keep people happy and do high quality work. And so I was lucky in that I just stayed busy, busy, busy for probably those first five years. And I did nothing except answer phone calls. So really, you know, I said that I was going to Home Depot and picking up day laborers. And so probably at about year, I think probably about year four, I actually brought a guy on, paid him 1099. It was all illegal. I mean, I was, I was, you know, winging things still, but brought someone on full-time that could work along. He was actually my cousin and worked alongside me. And he had some framing experience. So he brought a little more knowledge than I had at that point, but well, actually not in all the other departments, but in, in framing at least. But yeah, I brought him on. That kind of was a, a big turning point. And I was, you know, terrified, like, can I keep him busy? Cause he was quitting another job to come work for me. Can I keep him busy? You know, is he going to be able to do what I need him to do? And so I probably stuck with kind of that model for another four years. And then eventually hired another person and then kind of at that point stepped out of the field a little bit and mm. let, let the two guys. So I was only doing really one job at a time at that point in time and kind of had those two guys run the field and I was doing everything else for the business. So that was kind of my first big step into becoming like more of a real business. And so I brought that second person on and I was still working in the field probably, I don't know, half time at that point. And I'm like, I need to get out of the field if I'm going to turn this into a real business. And, and so the point I made the jump where I hired a third person and then actually stepped out of the field completely was probably about, oh, I would say 10 years in and knew, still knew nothing about business. At that point, I was, I was really, really busy. The things were really, really busy. And I'm like, I need to learn how to run a business better than I'm running it. So I did some research, found out about Remodelers Advantage, visited one of their summits, but was not a member and just kind of like was exposed to the world of peer groups and hiring coaches and things like that. So I bought every one of their books I could find on how to run a business, started implementing those things into my practices. And then, and then eventually probably, I don't know, Nine years ago, which would have been like 11 years into my business, I joined Remodelers Advantage and have been utilizing you know, the services of Remodelers Advantage. And then at that point, God, what did I do? I hired, so I was the only person in the office. I hired someone to come in, come into my office, help out, and then started realizing that I didn't do, need to do everything that I was doing and that I could delegate. I was having a steady enough stream of business to where I could keep people busy because that was always my fears, mm-hmm. hiring someone and then running out of work for them. And so, and I wasn't marketing at this point in time. I was still just the word of mouth, you know, all referrals. And then at that point, uh, read E-Myth and like really kind of made the decision that I need to turn this into something that I can sell one day and doesn't rely so heavily on me. So yeah. started looking to that and hiring more people. Eventually, you know, as I as I would get a bigger job, I would I would take on a job knowing I didn't have the, the manpower to do it. But then, you know, if they sign the contract, I'd just scramble to find someone to bring on that, you know, do whatever I needed to do. And so built kind of a team of subs that I was I was happy with. St- still have a few of the subs that I use from day one. So yeah, <laughs> most are not the same, but yeah, one or two, one or two. 
But yeah, then just, you know, hired a couple more guys for the field. Hired eventually worked to the point where I brought in some, I was a GC at first. And then I'm like, I want to go remodeler's advantage was kind of preaching, not preaching, but the guys in my group, I guess, were telling me like design builds better. You can control everything. And so at one point I decided I would become the designer. I decided that I would sell my first kitchen design and I sold it for 400 bucks. I remember that. And I was terrified to present this contract that these people are going to pay this guy who's not a designer to design their kitchen for 400 bucks. They signed it. And, and so I was our designer for geez, for many, many years, probably like five, five years. And I was kind of like, actually pretty good at it. I, but a lot of monkey see monkey do like you show me what you like and I'll copy it. And so <laughs> yeah, that a bunch, but now, now have two full fledged interior designers and, and yes, yeah, sold a design. Well, our, our kind of model is design retainer, then moved to a construction contract. Now we mm-hmm. do. $50,000 design retainers. So come a long way from the $400 one. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so funny when you look at those moments because they're like, I don't know, it's just interesting hearing you describe several things in there, but one like, okay, now we're going to charge for design and you you like put out this fee where now you like laugh at that, right? Like 400 bucks, but it feels scary at the moment. And then, then you like normalize to it and you evolve it. And I, or like when you sign the big job and then you're like, well, now I got to figure out how to deliver it. But I feel like it's that moment of uncomfort, you know, that causes the growth. Because if you didn't go for that contract, you never would have like been forced to push yourself to find the new people and figure out the new systems and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I feel like people don't realize that about entrepreneurship. It's like you're in a constant state of the unknown and like pushing. And that that uncomfort is what drives you to, you know, I mean, that's what drives you to like seek solutions and try to be better. And I mean, you know, people don't want to be uncomfortable. They just want to be like in this state of calm and no, no pressure, no anxiety, but really that's what's, that's what's driving like so much growth, at least in my experience, it's been. Totally agree. Yeah. And it's so interesting too, because I don't know, it sounded like about halfway through your journey ish, you joined Remodelers Advantage. And I don't know if you're about the million dollar mark, but it's also that like, layering this long foundation of like a decade to get to maybe a million or I don't know where you were. Yeah, that's about right. You double that time frame and you 4X, right? Like, so what it took you 10 yeah. years to get to a million and then boom, you said you were about 4 million. And so I think a lot of people quit quit too early because you're learning all those lessons and layering that foundation of things that you're just going through it, but then you, that starts to really compound. I'm curious, does anything stand out from that first like decade or so that was just like, whew, that was a tough lesson or or something that that I wished I could have learned faster or not had to go through it. I got sued once, didn't mm. have proper insurance. And so like that was, you know, pretty cut and dry lesson where you're like, okay, I just have to have insurance. I just have to build it into the cost of my business, the cost of my contracts. I don't want to go over go through that again. That was one. But I think that, you know, the biggest takeaway from that first 10 years is actually, you know, I was so afraid to delegate because I wanted everything a certain way. And everybody says this, they want it their way. And like, nobody can do it how I do it. And really, that's not true. If you find the right people, you train them the right way, then you can step away from a lot of the roles and and have people that take pride in their work and they're going to, you know, fulfill your mission and be able to do what, what it is that you were doing. And so, 
I wish I would have had the faith to have done that sooner and really put trust in other people. And, and I think I would have been further along than I am now. But I think that's, that's a huge one for people who are especially like young companies that are like, oh, I just have to do all this stuff. I can't like, because you can't grow that way. It's just too much work. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great, that's a great takeaway. Yeah. What about the, the second half? We'll call it if the first half was like, oh, I could have delegated quicker and, you know, probably moved a little faster. Like what were the things that you were really working through in, you know, the last 10 years? Well, you know, I've always had this constant struggle in my mind of what I want this to be. You know, I've heard, you know, Remodeler's Advantage always kind of preaches is 10, 10% owner's salary, 10% net profit. I think they're saying, you know, a nice work-life balance. I think in my mind, it's always been two months of vacation a year, but I don't, I can't remember if that was something that they preached. But, but anyways, was what I couldn't decide is I would seek out other companies as often as I could and try and talk to them. So I remember I'd be on a contractor's forum and I would see this, like I saw this Jackson design build, which is a really big kind of a nice design build firm. I think they probably do over 20 million now in San Diego. And I'm like, oh, I want to be that. And so I somehow I got the owner, Todd Jackson's phone number, and I just called him out of the blue. And I'm like, hey, this is weird, but like, can you kind of, I'm small remodeler trying to figure out what I want my business to be. Can you tell me some about your business? Maybe, I don't know. I think I asked him to be my mentor. He's like, I have no time for that. Sorry, dude. But, <laughs> yeah. but he was cool. He talked to me for like an hour and a half. It was Todd Jackson. And I saw him the other day and I, I'd never met him before since that phone call. And I, I'm like, do you remember me? This was a long time ago. But he didn't, re- he didn't remember me, but it was cool. And so we talked for a little bit, but, but anyways, he, he kind of explained what his business was, and, you know, with a lot of employees. And I'm like, geez, you know, if I could do like 5 million a year, do 10 and 10, keep it small, 10 people, more, more of a practice, but something that doesn't, you know, rely hundred percent on me. I'm like, that sounds really nice, really manageable. And so I still go back and forth, you know, what I want. I think it's, in my mind, it's, I think it's hard to get that 10 and 10 at 5 million and even above, even above 5 million. But, but I think to, to the, the point where I have talked to enough people, I think that the, the type of company that I want is about, you know, like I said, 10 million a year. I want to be able to take like two, three months vacation. If I, if I can, I think that's probably a stretch. Three is probably a stretch, but two would be great. Eight, eight weeks a year would be great, but have about 20 employees. That seems manageable. It seems like you could have a team that's you know tight and has good culture. The biggest struggle I had over the last 10 years is fully committing to where I wanted to go and what type of company I wanted to be. And so now I think I pretty much have clarity that that's, that's what I want to want to do. I want to stay design build. I like, I like that. I've gone back and forth, like being a contractor, you know, a paper contractor where it's just fully subbed out versus lead carpenter system. So, so right now we're pretty much, we're a design build firm. We do our, the, the design in-house, we use a lead carpenter system, which I like, the customers really like. It doesn't allow you to produce as much work as you can if you have a superintendent model on your but I think it gives you a lot better, a lot better feel on what's going on on a day-to-day basis on your jobs. So the first 10 years was like delegate, learning to delegate. And then this is really like vision, trying to figure out like yeah. what, getting clarity on where you want to take the company. Because once you get to that point, I would imagine you felt a little more stable. So you can actually think about, 
where am I driving this? Not just like, I'm just trying to survive and figure this out, you know? Yeah, for sure. Learn yeah. Enough. yeah. And I would say also to add to that, that, you know, the latter 10 years has been very much about like refining systems, figuring out the best process for everything, implementing software, marketing, all those things. So, you know, that's a constant evolution. You think you have the right way, the right process in place. And then you're like, ah, oh, this isn't working. How can we do this better? So I just, I really, I thought that I'd figure out a process, put it in place and just kind of like forget about it, but it's not, not that way at all. It's a const, constant analysis and tweaking and figuring out how to do it better. Keeps it interesting, but it sure would be nice if it could just be like, okay, this is our system for the next yeah. 20 years. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yeah. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, we've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. All right. Well, I'm sure over the years you've had like some wacky client stories or crazy projects or, you know, something that's, that's come up. that's just been a little different or off the wall. Anything coming to the mind that you can share with us, you can leave out personal details and all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, kind of a, a wacky one was I had a full blown hoarder. I had no idea. Like, I don't know if you've seen these hoarding shows, but like where you walk down a hallway and there's boxes lining the hallway to the ceiling, like <laughs> le- legitimately a full-blown hoarder. And I was like, how, how are we going to work on this house? Like you, you can't even walk around. And so she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to clean it out. And so she cleaned the whole place out, moved the stuff basically to the garage and other rooms. We were doing in addition, a kitchen remodel and a bunch of various other things. So like probably three quarters of the house had to be cleared out for us. And I was like, thank God, like this is what this woman needed to like get her life back together and like live in a house that, you know, can provide some peace of mind. But so we did the, and she actually was a very wealthy woman, like had a lot of money. It was a nice remodel, like very nice kitchen. I still have the picture up on my website to this day. I felt like we had accomplished so much and like being the impetus that caused this woman to kind of like change her life. And so I'm like feeling so good. And then, you know, we finished the job. It looks great. She's ecstatic. And then for whatever reason, I don't go back to do pictures for probably like four months. And so we go back, I go back to do, I, I would always like 
look at, you know, what the house looked like in the state it was in. So if we needed to, you know, style it or anything, it would look good for pictures. And it was like exactly returning to what it had been. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God, I can't believe it. She was able to clear out the kitchen and we got kitchen pictures and that was it. And then I was <laughs> like, oh, geez, poor woman. Like, and she was married too. And I swear I never saw the husband once. He was never, ever there. I guess I don't blame him now that I understand, you know, kind of what was going on there. But yeah, that was, that one was kind of, kind of crazy. But other than that, I've had like great customers. I mean, I was literally, I, I was 100% referral until about probably four years ago. I still don't market much, but yeah, I just, I've had great customers, had really good experience. Yeah. That's kind of the only wacky one. I mean, I did have some people that didn't want to pay, sure. but that's not so wacky and more just like you know one of those stories you want to forget but but yeah so had had a couple of those but other than that now it's been it's been pretty great yeah that's cool yeah, yeah that's well it's a bummer that it didn't it wasn't the the change that she needed <laughs> yeah I, I was certain that we that this was like a new a new beginning but no that was not it at all yeah, just a, just a facelift on the <laughs> yeah all the boxes yeah and it was like a it was like a I don't know geez I can't even remember but it was probably a hundred twenty thousand I mean, back then that was a lot but hundred twenty thousand dollar kitchen and yeah. I was I was like like oh you this thing's like magnificent like you can't <laughs> muck this up you can't junk it but she's like no well junk it up so there you go yeah. well well cool thanks for sharing that yeah yeah I guess. I'm always curious too, how do you think you position yourself within your marketplace? You know, you said you've been mostly word of mouth and referral. So maybe you haven't had to like go to bat a whole bunch again, but I'm always curious what your perception is like, how are you guys different from competition? How do you differentiate? I think what really sets us apart, you know, when I've been asked like, what's your unique selling proposition a million times, you know, but to write that. And every time I write it, it just sounds cliche. It's like, sure. doesn't everybody say this stuff? Like <laughs> we really care and we do excellent work and we'll respond to you, you know, within a few, uh, you know, I'm like, I think a lot of really good companies do that. But I, but what I've kind of learned about like Phoenix and Scottsdale is a huge market and a lot of money here. And I think at one point I went to a, a meeting of the registrar contractors. They said there's 30,000 contractors now that's probably overall, you know, replacement and plumbing and all that, but 30,000 contractors in Phoenix area wow. registered with the, and then, you know, all the unlicensed guys as well. But so what I think kind of makes us unique is we really care. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we do. <laughs> We've been we around do, for but, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's, work. it's uh, very few people operate a lead carpenter system. Mm. And I think most people are either just kind of small or they're big enough to where they have a superintendent model and they uh, and not to say like there's really great companies that can run a great superintendent model but that superintendent is bouncing around between you know 10 different jobs and i think really early on i got to see the benefits of a lead carpenter system and just saw how much the clients appreciated how clean you could keep the house how much communication they had with like the lead of the job, you know, how much attention there was to like, what are the subcontractors doing on a daily basis? And so I don't, you know, I'm sure there's other companies out there, but 
you know, I'm part of the local Nary chapter. And so I see all those guys and no one operates a lead carpenter system. Hmm. And so I think that is probably my biggest, you know, other than a great reputation. And, you know, like I said, most of my business is through referrals. And so I don't have to like, I don't think I'm a great salesperson. I think that people come to us with like a really strong opinion that we're a good company. But when I can kind of explain like how carefully we're going to be able to manage and watch their job and keep track of things, I think that's kind of what sets us apart. Yeah. And 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 we of course we have a great team and like people that, you know, my I don't my my people are not motivated by like they're they're motivated by they're intrinsically motivated. They just want to keep the customers happy. They want to do good work. They want to feel accomplished at their job and doesn't it's not because I'm giving them bonuses or because, you know, I'm incentivizing somehow. I think it's it's internal for them. So yeah. I think I have a really great team. I've been been lucky to put together such a such a good group of people. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you've put a lot of work into cultivating that too. So I'm sure it wasn't all luck. But uh, yeah, 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 I yeah. think that I really like that answer. Yeah. I mean, you you found, you know, one one thing in your marketplace that like gives it a different angle, a different spin, you're able to communicate like the benefits that come along with that. Even if somebody else kind of talks about similar benefits, the angle or the frame on it is a little bit different. So yeah, that's cool. Well, Justin, I got a couple more questions to wrap us up. One is just about the the industry in general. What do you think are the big headwinds or a couple of big challenges that we really need to have our have our eyes on for the next two or three years? I wish I knew. You know, of course, everyone's worried about coming recession and how that's going to impact the remodel market and the build the building market. I think where we've kind of positioned ourselves, we are. I'm feeling pretty good, and this is. I'm not, you know, a financial guy. I'm not. I don't watch the markets. I'm not like super into that kind of stuff. But I feel like our typical customer these days are going to be able to weather a recession just fine. Our housing market has skyrocketed like you know many places have. But I think given the fact that that it's harder for people to move, they want to stay put, and that our typical customer is in my mind going to be be able to weather a recession just fine. I think we'll be fine. I mean I think things will slow down. I think we need to be concerned of a recession for sure and prepare for a downturn. But I don't think it's going to be anything like, you know, we experienced in 08 or 09. And so I'm optimistic that things aren't going to get too terribly bad. I'd love to see prices go down on materials, subcontractors. I don't know that that's, I mean, I guess a correction will occur in, in those departments as well. But boy, if things have gotten so expensive right now that it's like, I'm kind of embarrassed at sometimes to say what a kitchen remodel is going to cost someone. I see a bit of a recession coming, but I don't think it's going to have a huge, huge impact where where we're going to have to majorly downsize or make major changes for our company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Hopefully that's the case. I know you said you're not a financial yeah. wizard, but hopefully yeah. you've, you've got your finger on the pulse and that'll be how it plays out. Yeah. yeah I tend I'll to be stay. pretty pretty optimistic as well. I mean, and even if it does get rough or there's a big downturn, like there's always opportunity in every, every cycle, you know? And so you just have to have your eyes up looking for the opportunities. Yeah. yeah. All right. Final question. If you could leave our listeners with some final words of wisdom or a piece of advice, what do you want to leave everyone with? 
Ah, geez. Piece of advice or word of wisdom. Well, I would say kind of going back to what I was speaking about earlier is it's always, always scary and painful to take a leap and trying something new and making changes to your business to, to, you know, further your progress. But like, even though some of them might not work out exactly like you, you would hoped, I can't think of hardly anything that I wasn't like terrified about doing initially hiring a new person, implementing an expensive software, something like that, that I didn't ultimately wasn't like thankful that I did it. So, you know, get over that, get over that resistance of change and be willing to take some risks. You know, of course, calculated risks. You don't want to be stupid. And God knows I've made lots of, lots of bad choices along the way, but they're all, they're all a learning experience and they've all helped me become better. So I think just be willing to, to try new things and make changes that you ultimately you think are going to help your business. Hopefully they do. Usually they they provide a valuable lesson either way. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Well, cool. Well, thanks, Justin, for spending the time with me today and sharing your story with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.